0: Hi, this is Nick Forster. Welcome to E-Town. This week, we're going to revisit a show we recorded way back in 2019 when we could record in front of a live audience. This show was actually so dynamic and so surprising that we turned it into two parts. This week, we're going to feature part one with our musical guest, Chatham County Line and Anders Osborne, who came up from New Orleans, and Gary Fine, who's a great award winner teaching prisoners about writing. I hope you can connect because part two, which comes next week, has got a very special guest joining us, kind of a surprise thing we added at the last minute. Anyway, it's a great show, one of our favorites. We're happy to be able to share it again with you. Here it comes.
1: town hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. It's E Town with this week's guests from Raleigh, North Carolina, Chatham County Line, our achievement award winner Gary Fine, and from New Orleans, Louisiana, Anders Osborne. I'm Helen Forster. Join me in welcoming our host, Nick Forster.
0: Thank you everybody. Thanks, Helen. Thanks to the E-Tones with Keith Mosley from String Cheese sitting in with us today as our bass player hanging out. We got all the stuff. Chatham County Line, Andrews Osborne, it's gonna be fun. Um, So in the world of music, people sometimes talk about the world traditional, there's traditional folk or traditional jazz or traditional bluegrass or traditional blues. And it all pretty much means the same thing, which is the way things used to sound. But of course, traditions come from other traditions and other roots and common ancestors to the point where the music either sort of evolves or it just stays frozen in time. So uh, this week, we have a bluegrass band that's got some of the hallmarks of tradition, a lot of them, actually. But their new record has songs by Wilco Beck, John Lennon, The Stones, Tom Petty, among others. And they sound kind of traditional. And that's cool. Um, And up first, we've got a Swedish-born singer-songwriter and guitar player who grew up listening to Robert Johnson and Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and Ray Charles. And he's now a New Orleans legend who writes songs all the time, including country songs and blues songs and southern rock songs. He's won all kinds of awards. He's also a visual artist who loves to paint. He's an organizer who helps uh, touring musicians and road crews find friends to stay sober with when they're on the road. He's also just released, I think it's maybe his 16th solo record. So he's making his own traditions and other people will point to him at some point and say, yeah, that's the traditional sound. Um, But meanwhile, he is making it up as he feels it. And we're really happy to have him back with us again. Would you please welcome back to E-Town, Andrews Osborne. (laughs)
2: What's going on?
3: Everybody happy? Feeling good? Ready to have some fun? Yeah. We we stay ready.
2: This ain't a relapse, it's more like a bounce Way up in heaven, then back to the ground Keep your arms wide open now yeah, I'm coming down I got the mind of an army, but a single man's heart Might look like a wild one, but I'll never, never, never stray too far from you So keep your arms wide open, baby, I'm coming now. You know I talk too much when I got nothing to say. I get deadly quiet when I really need your help. Keep your arms wide open now. I'm coming. You know I'm addicted to something that I just can't touch. It's like a giant abyss that I never, never, never feel like. So keep your arms wide open now. I'm coming down. I'm coming down like a man losing grace. I'm coming down, falling flat on my face. Through the clouds to so keep your arms wide open, babe. Yeah, yeah I'm coming down. So keep your arms.
3: Much obliged, thank you very much. Oh, you guys sound great as always. (laughs) Here's another one from that same record. An oldie, but a goodie.
2: Good stream, <laughs>
0: Welcome back. Thank you. Anders Osborne. Sound great. Sound great. So uh, I know songs are not always autobiographical. Uh-huh. Uh, but your songs sound like you've, you you're you're still feeling a lot and you're still f- pushing a lot of forward momentum like you. You gotta keep moving forward. Gotta, you can't stand still. No. And I don't know how much of that comes from your, you know, your troubles with addiction, or you're just feeling like you gotta, you gotta move forward. But it's there, isn't it?
3: Yeah, uh, I'm not really sure, but I think it's linked to, you know, probably just being born. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it started early. Yeah. Uh, but I, to be honest with you, I didn't feel any urgency when I was younger. I didn't, but I was always moving forward, traveling, and, and walking, and leaving, and
0: making stuff. Right?
3: Yeah, yeah, creating, painting, and stuff. But I think after recovery, the last ten years, it kind of occupies the, you know, that idle time, which is not good for me. Right.
0: Yeah. So you better be busy.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to learn. Not try. I am learning right now how to settle down but the writing part still there's an urgency I, let me rephrase it's not an urgency i love writing songs yeah. and so when i write i call it my public diary and so basically i get to explore myself yeah and then that
0: in relationship to other people yeah. and the rest of the world so did that continue i know you did a little stint in nashville where you were writing and you're kind of writing uh, in a in a more commercial environment where you're mm-hmm. writing songs for other people and with other people and all that stuff, did you were you able to keep that same inner satisfaction going when you're in that kind of environment? No, it didn't work for me. I was staff writer for probably
3: 12 plus years, 14 years on the contract, but only the last five or six before I, I got out of it was I going there consistently and sitting yeah. in the rooms. I learned a lot of craftsmanship and a lot of details, you know, how to structure ideas. Yeah. But I died off quite a bit, and it was important for me to leave. Yeah. And that's just me, I have friends that,
0: so I'm not, I'm not putting that whole scene no. down at all. But. Well, let's also just mention that, even though you say it didn't really work, you had a number one country hit for Tim McGraw that yeah. sold three million copies, and not a lot of writers can say
3: that. <laughs> That's why I can afford Birkenstocks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't think you are. You the only guy in New Orleans wearing Birkenstocks? I don't think so. No, but one of the few. One of
3: the few, yeah. <laughs> My daughter was like, "You know what you need? You need Birkenstocks." I said, "I wore that in the '70s." She's yeah, like, yeah. Hey, "No, you didn't." It's a new thing. I'm like, "All right, whatever."
0: <laughs> <laughs> but back in New Orleans, that must feel that must feel great. It must feel like home, right? That's your place. Yeah, it's. I love it. Yeah. And uh, we lost Dr. John not that long ago, so Mac was somebody who was in everybody's life and mm-hmm. just a part of that culture. Yeah, it was, ran deep for all of us. Yeah, did you get to spend a little time with him?
3: Yeah, over the years we played, we did sessions, um, did some gig stuff. We had a band together, the Tab put together, Tab Benoit, and, uh, called Voice of the Wetlands. Yeah. Trying to save the wetlands, and, and then some other stuff. And so there are a lot of memories. He helped me get clean too, he and a few other. Friends of mine. Yeah.
0: We had a great visit up here in, in Colorado with him, and I had a really great conversation, which I think is actually now, just since his passing is up on our site, if somebody wants to check it out, he tells some great stories <laughs> about the two musicians' union, the black union and the white union, and how he was a member of both. And uh, <laughs> so he could he, do that? he could work all these sessions.
3: <laughs> he also,
0: he told a really funny story about it. Well, I don't think it's in that interview, but he talked about how when he was young and he had a little band together, you know, there's no internet. There's no photos of all these things. So if you hear a song on the radio, they would call these clubs and say, "We're, oh yeah, well that's us, man. That we're uh, question mark and the Mysterians. That's us. And we've got. And they would just cop that one song, and then they would get the gig, and they would play at these places. It's pretty funny. That's a good stop. Well, New Orleans, man. I can see. I can see why New Orleans is a place uh, that you feel great in. It's also so funny because it is. It's all the things you feel all the time because it is also temptation and redemption and love and loss and, you know. Yeah. But New Orleans has recognized you many times. You've won so many awards. You've been recognized by that community and it's inspiring, really.
3: Yeah, it's a good fit. You know, I've been there 34 years and, um, you know, being someone, I mean, I'm an immigrant to this country in general. I came here as a teenager and um, it's hard to find somewhere to call home. You know, some people are lucky, and they're born somewhere, and that's what they call home. And it's not just a default setting. They love it. But I got lucky to find a place where being me is what they dig. (laughs) (laughs) They like it
0: when I'm me, so I'm staying. Yeah. And I know we talked about uh, Mac, and you collaborated with lots of others, North Mississippi All-Stars and The Subdudes, and Tad One, and others. Are you, are you working with anybody now in particular, or are you just open to w- whatever comes?
3: Uh, we're finishing, I'm producing a record with Railroad Earth, um, and that's some great, write- talk about good writing. Todd is an amazing writer. Yeah. Um, that's one. Uh, I've worked with another country star, Eric Church, and which is a little different, but he's really cool. He... Yeah. He's got a cool thing going on, and he stays right left of, like, mainstream. That's pretty hip. So I dig him. Oh, that's cool. That's songwriter. That's songwriter. Okay. But, and then we just try to put bands together, you know, like, me and David Torkinovsky, my keyboard player, want to do a duo at the Snug Harbor, the jazz place. Yeah. So you're trying to come up with things that are inspiring. Yeah. You still painting some?
0: Yeah. I just yeah.
3: finished three before I came out of here. That's
0: cool. That's cool. I looked online and I looked at there's a gallery that's got some of your work and they're selling some of your stuff. And it was a little more abstract and, and it, it actually reminded me, I saw this show in New York this year, a Swedish abstract modern painter from uh, the late 19th century, hmm. early 20th century named Hilma Afklint. And she had an entire show, took up the whole Guggenheim Museum. <laughs> and. It's incredible and you should check her out. I will. Because you're, you're even though you don't know her, you're channeling some of that Swedish stuff, man. It's, I it's in there. I hope so. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's great. And then lastly, before we get back um, to music, tell me about the, the, the work you're doing. I think is it called Send a Friend? Send me a friend, Send yeah. Send me a friend. Yeah.
3: So like
0: I don't know how long, but a few months
3: into my sobriety, you know, it was really difficult to go back to work. And when I left the rehab and stuff. Everybody, the counselors and everyone was telling me, you know, you should probably not go back to work so soon, find a different job. And and I was like, I didn't finish high school. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) And I was, you know, anyway, I was in deep trouble and I was in bankruptcy and foreclosure and stuff. So I had to hit the road. And once I get out there, people are throwing, you know, eight balls in my hand and it's like, this just, I'm like, holy crap, this is crazy. So I got what they were saying but I still felt like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do, so this should work. So I came up with the idea after two guys from AA came out and sat with me, and they just sat on the side of the stage when I performed. And I was like, that's interesting. They're not doing anything, saying anything, but I felt accountable, and I felt safer, and I felt just like, okay, I'm here to work. I'm not here to party. I'm just working. So I set up a with a friend of mine, we started something where we have a data bank of, you know, thousands of people that we call friends. And if you're in recovery, you can call and we send someone out to be there when you work, not to get you sober, but just give you a little support while you go back to work. So that's the idea. Yeah.
0: And it's. Thank you. And it's. um. It's you know because the environment when you're playing clubs and you're playing you know working shows all the time, uh, all that stuff you know people buying you shots and whatever. Um, so is it for just musicians or is it also for sound guys or crew or, or drivers? All of them. It's yeah. dancers with big shows. Yeah. yeah.
3: A- lighting anybody in the yeah. music industry, managers.
0: Yeah. yeah assistant, ma- anything. And there's information about that on your website or how yeah, people find you can out about that. Yeah, you go
3: to my it. website or look up uh, semifriend.org. And you can sign up, and we vet you And if you want to help out. And, yeah, that's And cool. if you need help, that's also, we have an app, but it's via Sober Grid, so we're still working on getting funds to get our own personal app so you can just help now, <laughs> that type of thing, right?
0: <laughs> Something very yeah, simple. That's awesome. Well, that's so, awesome. All right. Well, you're a thoughtful dude. I'm really glad you're here. Anders, thank it's you. great to see you. Great to hear you. You're singing great. Oh, great thank songs. You. My it's, man. That's Get back to music. Welcome back, if you would, Anders Osborne.
3: All right, everybody feel good? Give it up for Nick, Helen, and the E Tones as well, doing a hell of a job all the time. Yes, indeed. His next song is from uh, the new record, Buddha and the Blues. Oh, thank you. you. (laughs) And this one's called Running.
2: i
0: Anders Osborne from New Orleans, Louisiana. The records called Buddha and the Blues, along with the E-Tones, Christian Thiel, Ron Jolly, Keith Mosley, Helen Forrester. Anders will be back, play a lot more music later on in the show.
1: This portion of E-Town is provided by Silk, the charter sponsor of Change the Course. The program was co-created with National Geographic to restore water in critically water-stressed ecosystems. You can learn more about Silk's commitment to the environment and to plant-based nutrition at silk.com. And by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you for your continued support. You're listening to E Town.
0: I'm Nick Forster, you're listening to E-Town. Anders Osborne is gonna be back later on in the show and coming up, Chatham County Line is here from North Carolina playing songs from their record called Sharing the Covers. Before we get back to music though, we're gonna introduce you to somebody who is uh, stepping up and making a difference in their hometown. We get to do this every single week and um, it's a great reminder that there are, in the midst of all this crazy stuff going on, there's good stuff going on. It's crazy good stuff going on. And uh, so we get to share some of those stories with you, and we hear uh, about these folks from listeners, and they tell us about these people in their neighborhoods who are really making a difference, and we get to share those stories with you and give those folks some encouragement and some recognition through the Achievement Award. And here comes Helen Forrester to tell you about this week's winner.
1: Thank you, my dear. This week's story comes to us from listener Poppy Singer of Ithaca, New York, who's nominating Gary Fine, also of Ithaca. Now as a kid, Gary experienced an extremely abusive childhood, and he used books to escape. He left home as soon as he could, graduated from college, and ended up gravitating toward jobs that could enable him to help others. He eventually discovered the Derland Alternatives Library, located on the campus of Cornell University. That library specializes in emphasizing alternative perspectives on social issues, and they also work with underserved populations, like at-risk students. So Gary felt at home there, and he began to work there. One day, a prison inmate wrote him asking if Gary could send him some books to read. Well, that inquiry has led Gary on a journey to help prisoners in a number of ways. His is truly an inspiring story. And I'm happy to say that Gary's here with us to tell us more. So please welcome this week's Achievement Award winner, Gary Fine of Ithaca, New York.
0: Hi, Gary, welcome. Thank you so much. Glad you're here. Was that an unusual request, to hear from a prisoner saying, send me some books when you're working at that, that library? Oh,
4: absolutely. It was a letter out of the blue. I wrote him back and said, oh, sorry, that's not one of our programs. And he wrote me back thanking me so much for writing him a letter as if he was a real person, and that mail was the most important thing, and that he lived in a cell with no windows. He could have paper, pencil, and books. And books were like a window
0: to the world. Wild. And... Uh don't prisons have libraries often? Or I, I, I'm just curious if there was, that was something that was hard to come by. I believe state by state,
4: institution by institution, it really varies, and I think especially people in administrative segregation, solitary confinement, have very yeah. little access to materials. Wild. So you told them that you, this
0: is not something you do, but. Did you, did you keep thinking about it?
4: Well, when he sent back the second letter, I just thought, well, big deal, send him a package of books. So I had some books. You know, I work in a the library. There's books everywhere. I sent him a package of books, and I got one of those Christmas in July, this changes my life. You can't imagine what this means to me. And I thought for a few minutes of putting some books in a bag and sending them off, Wild. that was a lot of bang for my buck. And so then I started sending books to people. To, to other prisoners? Well... I wasn't looking for them. They found me. I had maybe two, three, four. Eventually, another organization that was sending books to prisoners had advertised nationally, but they only wanted to send books to people in New York, and they had a stack of mail. And I said, oh, yeah, you can give me those letters, and I'll send them. So then all of a sudden, I had like 40 or 50 people I was sending books to.
0: Wild. So that starts taking up a lot of time.
4: Well, what happened is the prisoners would get the books and they'd all write the same kind of letters back and they'd say the same things in the letters. I'm going crazy. I hate everybody around me. I can't show any kindness or vulnerability because it'll be used against me and mail's the most important thing in my life. And I had trouble keeping up with individuals like that, so I said, here's an idea. Every month I'm going to give you a topic to write on, and if you write something on that topic, we'll get it all typed up and you'll get a packet of what everybody wrote on that topic and a letter from me. And that way I could keep it personal without having to write 40 individual letters. And numbers kept increasing because the prisoners would write to organizations that would have resource lists and say, hey, here's this great thing. And so all of a sudden we were getting lots of mail. So it was a way to
0: control that. Wow. And so just to be clear, you let everybody know that there was a topic. Here's the topic of the month, right. Of the month. And then so whoever was now sort of in your circle of your, your uh, snail mail email blast equivalent... Right. They'd get the topic, they'd write some stuff, you'd receive whatever they wrote right. and assemble it into some single, into a packet. like a newsletter or a. That's right.
4: It would be a packet of stories on, say, friendship or failure or miracles or whatever the topic of the month was. And what happened was that wild. so many, when the prisoners started getting those packets, they would say, wow, I'm not going crazy. Those people think just like I do. I'm in a crazy-making place. And it's a real difference when you're a crazy-making place. There's something you can do about that. When you're going crazy, you're done. And they also said, whoa, I I thought I hated this person because of their color, their race, their religion. But, oh, we have a lot more in common than not. And then the other thing was like they started praising one another for being vulnerable, for sharing their feelings. And so more and more people were writing for books. And so then I got the idea that I would take a couple of themes from each month and put it into a newsletter that would go out twice a year that would have six different topics with three or four selections. So then it became like an anthology of of writing. And then once we were writing and sending that to everybody, it was like now we're all talking together at once. And it was, well, what other programs could we start? And then, so every newsletter has like seven or eight different programs you can sign up for besides the writing program.
0: Uh, Gary, I have to ask you, did you get fired? (laughs) You know... The,
4: the, that's a really good question because the beauty of the Alternatives Library is that they just let me go and run with that and a lot of my job is now what I do as what I do there.
0: That's a lot of time and a lot of commitment and a lot of energy. So your employers thought that's cool to be associated with our library right. and this guy. So That's right. I work in a really good place. So amazing. And so you're still sending
4: books? Oh yeah, yeah. Th- we have 4,000 active members. We've had 30,000 people as part of the program over the years we've been doing it. But We send out maybe 100, 150 packages of books a month. Hmm. It's really expensive, so we're always having to raise money. The library doesn't give us any money to the program. It just lets us do it out of the program. Where, Where
0: do the books come from?
4: Well, I'm on a university campus, so books flow in from every different direction. One of the ways we pay for the program is we can sell, when we find books that are sellable, we sell them to raise money to mail the books that aren't sellable.
0: Do you get requests for certain kinds of books from
4: prisoners? Absolutely. Number one request that always surprises people is dictionaries. Uh, A lot of history books, art books, chess books, how to write. Everybody wants to write. Everybody's got a story to tell. And you're in prison, It's a lot of people use the time to better themselves. I mean, we have a self-selected group of people who write us. They're people who
0: who are saying, I want to make a difference. I want to change my life. And do you now, knowing that you've had this impact and you've had this kind of success, are you able to reach out to uh, prison wardens or, or correctional systems in different states and let them know that this exists to kind of promote the fact that this can be transformative for all these people? Yes, you
4: know, the reality is, is the money thing is still always stopping us. So we're just, you know, we we do a lot with very little. Right. But just, like just recently I was asked to speak at a librarians conference in New York State and the head of the New York State prison library thing with, you know, was at the conference and she brought me aside and said, let's work together. And so we're, we're in dialogue. Uh, how could we do things just for New York state prisoners or a special program for them? And, and then I have to also often contact prison officials more because things get censored. There's a tremendous problem getting materials into prison. Why I can even do this whole thing is because I'm a library. If your parents are in prison, your sister, your best friend, you can't send them books directly. You could get somebody like Amazon and buy books and have them shipped to them because they're also an authorized vendor. But then you have to have connections and have people who have money who will do that for you. A lot of people in prison have burnt
0: all those connections. So as a library, we're allowed to do that. Jeez Louise, it's amazing. Can you think of a particular story or... example of of, uh, the difference that this program has made for an individual prisoner? I can think of
4: so many, it's hard to know which one. I'll tell a few really short things. One of our programs is keeping a journal for a year, and some people just you know, and they mail their entries and we have students who read the journals and write them friendly letters of support just to keep priming the pump so they write. And as they write, they get, you know, more articulate. And out of that one alone, I can think of people saying things like, I'm not going to do the journal anymore. He says, my son read the journal online and now he's talking to me for the first time and I'd rather write to him than to you. I hope that's okay. And it's like, you know, another person wrote a journal for about five or six years, Sean, and, and then he stopped. And then like four or five years later, again, same thing, my son who's now 16 read my entries and he's begged me to keep a journal because he wants to know what's going on in my life a lot of times people in prison don't really want to tell their family members directly what they're feeling because it's a burden to them they're so torn up either because they've lost their family or because of what's happening in their lives but again they'll write it just like the way they say you can't share your vulnerable feelings but for some kind of reason
0: they'll write them yeah it's amazing it's an incredible incredible avenue you've found to just make a huge impact in the lives of these people who are really, really suffering and struggling, and frankly, really need to process all this stuff. They're in prison because of their inability, in some ways, to deal with all this stuff, and now they can. Right. Another story,
4: somebody who'd gotten out after 20 years, he wrote, he said, all the writing I did, he said, I don't know how good it was, but it really taught me how to communicate. And now that I'm out of prison, being able to communicate is so important, and it's what's going to keep me out. And so some of the writing is great. Some of the writing we get isn't so great. But the practice of writing can really make a difference in people's
0: lives. So amazing. So, you must have a bunch of volunteers also.
4: I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of people who actually work for the program through, like, the Federal Work Study Program as a community service. They're sent to us and we don't have to pay them anything. And then we also have a couple of hundred students who come in over the course of a year as volunteers and the work-study students supervise them in letter writing for the oh, wow. packing books or reading journals or typing the essays. Or cre- A lot of volunteers come in and they create programs on, um, on math, on crafts, origami, on history. So we create these packets. Every newsletter has invitation to join nine different programs. Anywhere from three to 700 people will join each program, and then there'll be like a 28, 32-page packet that goes out to them about the program, and they're all, like, call and response, so there'll be critical thinking questions they have to answer, and then when we get it back, we assemble out their best answers, mail it back to them, and so seeing their names in print again, like, oh, I'm not so stupid, or, uh, you know, oh, wow. I'm, I really got something going on here. Or, oh, these people at Cornell think I'm smart, or, or something like that, you know. So you're, you're so searching for identity, seeing your yeah. name, it makes a big difference. It doesn't take much, does it? <laughs> That's exactly, when somebody gets out of prison, sometimes they contact us and say, I still want to be part of it, and I go, you can if you want to, but everything we're doing, you can get at a public library for free better than what we're doing, yeah. you know, but in their situation, it is, it's like- It was pretty, personal, yeah. I always use the analogy to people who are coming to volunteers. It's like, if I give you a glass of water right now, it's not a big deal. But if I put you in the desert for two weeks and give you a glass of water, it's a big deal. And when you send a letter to these prisoners or do something for them, it's like you're bringing them that glass of water. And so the impact we have is great for very little effort. Yeah, yeah. it's
0: amazing. Um please. So Gary, just, just a, a couple of quick things. Number one, uh, what year did you start all this?
4: The first newsletter went out in 2004, so it probably took a year or two to get to that place. So about 15, 16 years yeah. ago.
0: And how many prisoners have, have been participating in the program so far?
4: Over 30,000 people have participated, but we only have 4,000 active. If we don't hear from somebody in six months, they move to our inactive role.
0: Yeah, and is it predominantly men or
4: is it men and women? What's the It's predominantly men, but definitely more and more women are writing but it's predominantly men yeah
0: And uh, what's the newsletter called? The newsletter is Prisoner Express. If
4: you go to PrisonerExpress.org, you can see all the newsletters that have ever been written, as well as every six months we put out a poetry anthology of prisoners, so we have about 22 of those online. And there's a lot of other stuff, PrisonerExpress.org and AlternativesLibrary.org. Just to say, the Alternatives Library is a really special place, and I'm not getting to talk about that, but if you ever come to Ithaca, it's a great place to visit and is a beautiful walk through a great gorge up from downtown up the Alternatives Library and I just invite everybody listening to come visit
0: us at the Alternatives Library. Amazing, Gary. Well, it's an amazing program, and it's great that the library is so supportive of your work. So I want to congratulate you on your success. Thanks for coming all the way out here to share the story with us. It's this week's Achievement Award winner, Gary Fine, Prisoner Express. Check it out, prisonerexpress.org. You can see the the anthologies of poetry and writing and the newsletters and really get a window into what it's like and what the lives of these, these prisoners are really like and what they're feeling. So congratulations. It's huge. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Thank you. Gary Fine, winner of the Achievement Award this week. Prisoner Express.
1: Our thanks to listener nominator Poppy Singer of Ithaca, New York, who listens to E-Town on station WSQG. for our listeners, if you like this interview and you want to share it with a friend, you can find it on our website, etown.org. You can also nominate someone for the award there, too. It's easy to do by heading to our homepage and clicking on the award button at the far right of the top menu. We love hearing from you, so send us your comments about the award segment or about the show in general, either on Facebook or Twitter, um, or by emailing info at etown.org. You can also write us the old-fashioned way at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306.
0: Thank you, Ellen. Thank you, Gary. Such a good story.
1: This portion of e is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. Now, if you tuned in late and you've missed some of this week's program, you know what? You're in luck. The eTown Podcast will have this episode and others as well, along with content from past shows and all kinds of fun stuff. It's available for free in Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. You're listening to E-Town.
0: I'm Nick Forster, I want to say hello to our listeners who hear E-Town on stations like uh, KCHW, Northern Lights Public Radio in Chowela, Washington. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Folks down there in Memphis, Tennessee on WEVL, Weevil, thanks for listening to E-Town. And on Tyne FM, the rhythm of Tyne side in Newcastle-upon-Tyne in England. Thanks for listening. As always, um, if you want more information about any of our guests, you can find out all kinds of stuff on the web. You can see all the photos and everything, all that stuff. You can find out about how to get tickets and much more at etown.org. So we've got more music coming up from Andrews Osborne in a little while. Um, Right now, I'm gonna tell you about our next guest. Chatham County Line is a band that grew out of a circle of friends that used to hang out at this musical musician crash pad in Raleigh, North Carolina called The Blue House. These four guys came together around, you know, a real love of traditional country and bluegrass music and a desire to write original songs that kind of fit in that style but told a more contemporary story. And all the while they were also wanting to make sure that they had some fun. So um, pretty soon they got signed to Yep Rock Records. They started recording and touring. They now have released, I think it's their ninth record, called Sharing the Covers an all-cover song record with a cute picture of these guys, these burly guys all sharing a nice quilt. Um, um, Anyway, really happy they're here. Please welcome, for their first visit to E-Town, Chatham County Line.
5: Wow, thank you guys so much, it's an honor to be on this stage and, and share this stage with uh, not only Nick and Helen, but this band and, and uh, Anders and uh, Gary, what an amazing story that was. Um, we're gonna start with a love song for you guys now, just to get settled in. It's one of our fourth album from all those years ago, back when we looked young. <laughs> Except for John, he, he still looks pretty good. The surgery was a success. well we hope you enjoy this this one's called chip of a star
6: Take a chip of a and you hit it with an iron ball When it's broken in two, made the eyes for you Take a song from the bird and turn it to word. When you're through, you found a voice for you Like a song on the wind Falling leaves Weaving golden fair Than it's your hair Take the tail of the moon Dip it to it with a spoon Touch the earth again Shone bright, sit with the fire, and then it's your smile. Take these.
5: Well, as Nick mentioned, we just released an album of cover songs. Um, my mom said being from the South, you know, sharing is, is very important. And so we're sharing our albums with not just ourselves, but with other songwriters, some of our favorites. And we're going to do an old song now. You know, people ask John and I if we're brothers. And uh, no, we're not. Um, thank the Lord. Um, <laughs> because John is really a handful and uh, we, we couldn't have existed in a house together as youngsters without not surviving to this moment. And so we'll do this song. It's made famous by the Leuven brothers, written by Hazel Hauser way back when. It's called My Baby's Gone. What?
6: mailman brings the letters by just like he did before they seem so busy all day long as if there's nothing wrong
1: We've got more great stuff coming up, but we're out of time for this week. I hope you can join us next week for part two of this special program with more from Anders Osborne and Chatham County Line, plus some surprise guests I think you'll enjoy. That's next week in E Town. This is a production of E-Town.
0: That's E-Town with this week's guest, Anders Osborne, Chatham County Line. Thanks again to Gary Fine, our Achievement Award. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.